You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, football fans, to another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day with your Tuesday host, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and myself, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment that you need to power through your game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, these passionate fans of the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. On today's episode of Locked On NFL, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers edge out the New York Giants on Monday Night Football, and it's fair to say that the Giants lost the game more than the Bucks actually won it. Then the trade deadline fireworks are already underway in the NFL. Two major trades already in the books with more potentially on the way ahead of Tuesday afternoon's deadline. We'll talk about the big trades from Monday, and Luke and I are going to give our big-name trade proposals ahead of the 4 p.m. Eastern time deadline. And finally, we'll bring in Marcus Mosher for our fantasy forum to get you the update on waiver wire targets and he's also going to tell you why you should consider benching running back Ezekiel Elliott for the foreseeable future once again I'm Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter joined as always on Tuesdays by Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL and this is Locked On NFL. All right, Luke, so let's dive in right into this one. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win on Monday Night Football 25-23. to 23. This was a game that actually did come down to a potential two-point uh, two conversion that Daniel Jones just waited a little bit too long to pull. The- a lot a bit too long. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice. But we're not interested in being nice tonight because – You've got some things to say about the New York Giants. So, my friend, I'm going to hand this mic over to you, and you can take it away. Listen. Okay, well, first, Bucks. Okay, yeah, Tom Brady looked a little old in this one, uh, and it was like a weird sloppy game. Bucks, you'll be fine. You're 6-2. and two. It's, it's, you're, We'll see you in January. You're, you're totally fine. Okay. Don't worry about it's this all one. all going to be okay. <laughs> uh, Giants. Oh, my God. you got to make Daniel Jones hitchhike home after this one. Like... <laughs> <laughs> He's not coming back to the facility on the bus with you. Listen, Joe Judge had these giants, this undermanned team full of castoffs. They got two, like the two former Green Bay Packer linebackers for all the right. linebacker problems that the Packers have had for like a decade. Couldn't even stick around on that team. And the Giants are starting these people. I mean, this is a graveyard team filled with a bunch of like castoffs and busts and stuff, and a bunch of draft picks there that they have it. And Joe Judge had them playing out of their minds and keeping up with this like legacy Bucks team. Yeah. And Daniel Jones threw it away. He has several times. Several times. Yeah. He he threw two absolutely hideous interceptions. And you just can't win a game when your quarterback is doing that. He has this is from ESPN Stats and Info 12 games since he started in the NFL with multiple turnovers. And that's three more than any other player in that span. Ugh. Joe Judge and these Giants are are making a game of this. And Daniel Jones can't finish and he can't keep it together. He's holding the team back single-handedly. And I think if you're a Giants fan, you have to wonder where this team is headed. Daniel Jones is in his second season. He's on a rookie contract as the sixth overall pick. Are you going to go draft another one? I mean, you're going to have the second overall pick. You probably should. Are you going to do, you know, a Rosen 
Kyler Murray thing, you probably should think about it. Joe Judge inherited Daniel Jones. He didn't pick Daniel Jones, but right. Dave Gettleman did. So are you firing the GM? Maybe we got to have that conversation. But the Giants are at this crossroads right now where they can put together a lot of these players having the game of their lives and Daniel Jones makes it all completely irrelevant. He wasn't, I didn't never really thought he was that good of a pick in the first place. No. I think people kind of saw him as a second or third round quarterback. And it was pretty surprising when he went sixth overall. And that seems to be bearing out. So Dave Gettleman, what are you doing, man? You okay? Yeah. Right. Um, just to add on to your, your Daniel Jones stat there, he has 36 giveaways since he was drafted Jesus. in 2019, which it's is the most putrid. in the NFL Nets fan. It's, horrific you can't I mean, run a team like that man it's no killing. and you have to think about it too the you not even just the giveaways but the opportunities that they had to connect down the field one to Darius Slayton on a post route one to uh Serling Shepard on the nice double move that that got Jamel Dean because he will bite on those all day he had another one that was overthrown to Evan Ingram but thankfully for him Evan Ingram caught even the touchdown to Golden Tate to get them back up and then give those them the opportunity. Throws, yeah. Those were, yeah, those were better. But I mean, most of these throws ended up being, you know, overthrown by five, six yards, not even giving his wide receivers an opportunity. So even when he's not giving the ball away, his opportunities there to connect downfield and keep drives alive, his opportunities to connect down there and put points on the board, he hasn't been able to do consistently. Yeah, you're just leaving too much meat on the bone there. And I, I think it's time for the Giants to move on, even if that means, you know, seeing what you have in, in a developmental backup, you know, get somebody off of a practice squad, get somebody else in there and 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 see if if you can't find a spark because Daniel Jones is not the future of this franchise. And if you still think so, and Dave Gettleman might be the only person on the planet that still does, you're just delusional. Yeah. So what does this game tell us? I know we weren't going to talk too much about the Buccaneers, but I just want to hit this real quick in terms of, uh, you know, the Bucks and the Green Bay Packers have sort of been the top two teams in the NFC outside of, of course, the Seattle Seahawks as well. Does this loss, again, 25 to 23, does this loss – change any of the expectation or status for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at all at this point in the season? I don't think so. I think mm -hmm. this is like, what are the odds that we're at the end of the season? We're looking back at this game. You look back at Tom Brady's season and go, this was the worst game he played. Right. Like it's right. believable to think that. Right. Yeah. And the thing about it is you might've just learned, here's what we learned about the bucks. Tom Brady might not have the arm right anymore. Mm -hmm. it, 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 he's 43. It might finally be catching up with him, but that's okay. You can get to, I mean, you can do the 2015 Peyton Manning thing. And yep. if, as long as you're not asking him to make, you know, these out throws, I mean, the giants could have housed a couple of these that, that just kind of like float out there. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're not making him asking him to make these strong arm bullet throws, the kind of thing you'd ask like a Matt Stafford to do, mm -hmm. then, you know, you can, absolutely build a game plan without asking your quarterback to do it. A lot of teams have no choice. Yeah. And I think with, you know, Mike Evans, if you get Chris Godwin back with Tyler Johnson, who I think they could stand to use more Gronkowski, all these guys, mm -hmm. I, I think you can build an offense based off of that. And Tom Brady isn't going to make dumb mistakes and he's going to be able to kind of be efficient and dink and dunk down the field. That's something that they've had to do with Brady in previous years with the Patriots when they didn't have wide receivers or whatever. They had to do this right. weird conservative West Coasty type thing. I think the Bucs can absolutely get away with that. And here's the thing. I know Todd Bowles' defense got caught blitzing a couple times, and this is why I think that Joe Judge kind of outcoached the Arian staff in this one because mm -hmm. they caught, they caught uh, 
Tampa Bay blitzing and got him on a slant or something like that. You right. got caught with your pants down a couple times. But if I'm Todd Bowles, I'm not touching the levers at all. I think the mm-hmm. game plan's still totally fine. They caught you, you know, they they got a rock to your scissors and they got right. you a couple of times. But ultimately, that Bulls defense, I have the utmost faith in. Yeah, absolutely. And that blitzing, I think at one point, I don't know what the number ended up being, but at one point they blitzed on around 78. It was 75 plus percent of Daniel Jones's dropbacks. And, you know, that forced two interceptions and, and, and nearly more in other situations that, that could have been converted into, uh, into turnovers as well. And I think you have to look at Tom Brady and I as somebody that very much understands the weird conservative West Coast thing as the person that right. covers the Saints here. I think you That's have a good to... Blueprint. Yeah, you know, you have to stop, not you, but, you know, in terms of like the, the national media and the way that we talk about these older quarterbacks, we have to stop being so concerned with air yardage and being so concerned with arm strength and all this other stuff and look instead, are these teams winning without having that attribute for their quarterback? Yes. And I think that that's the thing that has to be most important it is not that all of a sudden you have to develop this arm strength, but instead if the offense is winning, despite not having that, then that is the most important, uh, important part of that. Okay. So Tom Brady's arm might be hitting a wall, but Maybe if you're hitting a wall of your own, be it a mental or a physical wall, let Built Go be the solution to breaking through that wall. It comes in these easy to take one and a half ounce packages that you can put in your briefcase, put in your golf bag, grab on the go. And it gives you this nice natural energy and focus that doesn't come with a crash later that you would get with like a five hour energy type thing. And the reason that it's so nice and easy and natural is because it comes with collagen protein, which is this fast absorbing kind of protein that gets into your system fast. It's easy on the stomach and it's, it's good for joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. And it's also loaded with all sorts of good stuff to give you that nice natural high for one 10,000% of your B6 and B12 daily intake. And also it has beta alanine, B3, honey, and a little kick of caffeine. So if you want to get in on that, if you want to try it for yourself, go to builtgo.com and use promo code locked and you get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code locked for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. All right, everybody, it is Locked on NFL. Don't forget, we're here with you every single Monday through Friday, keeping you up to date with everything going on across the NFA with NFL with a lineup of all-star hosts. And on this Tuesday episode, as we get closer and closer to the NFL trade deadline, we're going to go ahead and talk about some of the big moves that have already been made. And Luke and I are going to give you some ideas for some moves that we would like to see before the 4 p.m. Eastern time deadline on Tuesday afternoon. So let's start off with the first move. Uh, we've got a couple of, of smaller ones around like Avery Williamson getting traded to Pittsburgh, which is a move that I absolutely love for Pittsburgh. But let's hit one of the moves that was kind of one of the, let's say, marquee moves on Monday and one that I know intimately well, Mm -hmm. the San Francisco 49ers sending Quan Alexander to the New Orleans Saints in exchange for a conditional fifth round pick and linebacker Kiko Alonzo. I can go a little bit in depth here from the insider side for the New Orleans Saints on this trade, but let me see what some of uh, your impressions are hearing it. Uh, from sort of the outside perspective. Well, yeah, this is just John Lynch packing it in, right? On on Quan Alexander. <laughs> right. That's yeah, it's 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 a contract he shouldn't have signed. And I guess props to him for like knowing when to fold him or whatever. But this mm-hmm. is not. I don't. I, I don't think this is ever a good look for a GM when you have to do a trade like this. This is a contract shed. This you're dumping a contract, 
And you're not even dumping that much of the contract. You're just yeah. getting rid of the future years of it. And the Saints are picking up a player that is going to help them in a competitive division. And the 49ers are kind of packing in an idea that they didn't that 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 didn't bear out. Quan Alexander was not playing very well for them. And now they pick up Kiko Alonso, who is like barely even like it's starting anymore. Is he mm-hmm. even play, was he even playing in New Orleans? No, he so, hadn't even seen a snap yet. Yeah, this is this is not getting much back for your buck. This is dumping Quan Alexander on a team that can handle it right now. And this is John Lynch kind of licking his wounds and trying to cut his losses before they get any worse. Yeah, the condition that's set on that conditional fifth is game time. It snaps. And when it comes down to Quan Alexander, who has just as much of an injury history as Kiko Alonso, maybe a little bit less so, but still an injury history. Nonetheless, he's coming off of a high ankle sprain. He's been out since week five of this season. There's a chance that Quan Alexander, is he even going to be healthy enough? Is he going to make it through practice to get on the field healthy? If that doesn't happen in the Saints, really all that they do is potentially get a shot at this player that they can cut ties with cleanly at the end of the season. So the Saints end up moving on for Kiko Alonso, who started off this season on the physically unable to perform list. They activated his 21-day practice window to get back on the roster. But before he could even do that, the Saints shipped him off. Even though he was looking healthy, the Saints shipped him off to San Francisco and then that conditional fifth. And so the Saints end up trading away a potential pick this year, maybe next year, maybe not at all. They end up trading away a player that was never going to see the field for them probably because they played Luke, a total of 25, just about. It's a little bit under 25, uh, four, three base snaps so far this season. Oh, man. Everything yeah, else that they've the done. Anymore. Right. Everything else that they've done is nickel and dime so far this year. So that's where uh, Quan Alexander is going to contribute. If he can get out on the field, he's going to compete with Alex Anzalone for those weak side linebacker nickel looks. And the Saints end up getting somebody in upside at a place where they really need some help. I know a lot of people wanted to see secondary. A lot of people want to see defensive line get improved upon. But shoring up the middle of the field is never a bad choice for an NFL defense. Let's move on to one that I think is even worse, which is I hate the Desmond King trade for the Chargers. So the Chargers ship off Desmond King to the Titans for a sixth round pick. I think the Titans get highway robbery here. Desmond King was on the last year of a cheap rookie deal. He wasn't a first round pick or anything. So this wasn't a lot of money. He's mm-hmm. a quality nickel player that, I mean, the Chargers are are in this conference. They are, they're, they're live here, even though they've lost a few tough games. And now the Titans get a sorely needed boost to their secondary in the middle of I mean, let's be honest, that's a Super Bowl run right. and they get it for pennies on the dollar. I don't, really see where the advantage is for the Chargers. I don't even see why they picked up the phone on this deal. Yeah, this one was one that was really interesting because the Chargers had been, there had been some rumors that they might be looking at potentially moving Desmond King uh, earlier on in the season because he wasn't seeing a lot of playing time, wasn't really hitting the field. They had Michael Davis, they had Casey Hayward, and then of course they signed Chris Harris Jr. this offseason, but he had been dealing with injuries on and off and everything as well. And so it's a really interesting sort of look for the Chargers, but for the Titans, and I know Tyler Rowland over at Locked on Titans is going to be celebrating this move because he was just a couple days ago on a show in his Friday preview against the Cincinnati Bengals talking about how much of a weak spot the slot the the nickel corner spot was on that Titans defense. Chris Jackson, one of the worst in the NFL there. Christian Fulton played there a little bit, but then was dealing with injury and also playing on the outside. Now you get a focused, very, very good uh, Desmond King that can slide into, yeah, super disruptive. Yeah, really good player who, you know, look, the Titans are used to having a quality slot corner. They had Logan Ryan last year, and now you might even have a little bit of an upgrade in Desmond King because he can also contribute for you on special teams as an all-pro level kick returner 
uh, as well. And so I, I love this move for uh, the the Titans. And of course, you know, the Chargers are going to be breaking this down as well over at Locked on Chargers, Daniel and David and the guys over there. But I, I really don't know why you make this move with, you know, the Chargers and, and the young talent that you have. But this is a great this is a great pickup for Tennessee for certain. Yeah. And I think the hard truth there for Los Angeles is this is, I'm going to call it a Jaguars trade, right? The mm. guy wanted out the relationship had soured. You weren't going to extend him. I still think you could have had him like play out the year, let him walk. I think he probably could have done better than a six. I mean, he's a quality player. I think you could have got done better on the compensatory market, even though, you know, those picks aren't until 2022. So you got to wait a year. I think I, right. I don't hate taking your chances there. Uh, but I, I guess, you know, you get your sixth back and, and it's better than just, letting him walk if you didn't think you were going to get anything. But I, I, I think the Titans win this trade resoundingly. And this is the, the, the Chargers organization kind of failing to keep a good player in house. It's a failure of the organization, even if it's a failure they got, you know, five bucks back for. But let's yeah. talk about some of the other trade deadline stuff, because there's some other rumors uh, about what's going to go on. I mean, as everybody's listening to this, the trade deadline is at four o'clock Eastern. So if you're listening to this before four o'clock Eastern, that means some moves can still be made. And you should probably, uh, if you can, get on, get on Twitter and, and start scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, there's a lot of players out there worth keeping an eye on like David and Joku. Uh, mm-hmm. He expressed a lot of displeasure with Cleveland, like John Ross, who outright tweeted, I want out, please someone trade for me. Right. Guys like Tack McKinley, McKinley, who there were phone calls, but McKinley himself said that the Falcons are hanging up on everybody. All kinds of players. I mean, you could maybe get Dwayne Haskins. The Giants could be sellers at the trade deadline since kind of like we said, they're going into rebuild part two here. Right. Um, there's uh, Will Fuller we'll talk about uh, mm-hmm. and guys from, from all over. So Ross, you have a proposal uh, yes. of a trade that you think would be very good. Why don't you tell it to me? Yeah, I think it's going to be very good. I don't know how much you're going to like it, but you, you mentioned Will oh, no. Fuller. And uh, I think that the Houston Texans oh, no. wide receiver – don't, needs don't. to be pursued by don't. the one and only Green Bay Packers. God, don't do that. I, <laughs> I know you hate it. I know you hate it, but his fit in that system and Matt LaFleur's system being the, you know, the other guy opposite Devontae Adams, they lost, um, you know, Alan Lazard, who was playing well opposite Adams earlier on in the season to injury. But now, you know, they've tried to make it work with Marcus Valdez, Valdez Scantling, and he's okay. But getting Will Fuller to be that guy opposite, Devonte Adams and to be in concert with Aaron Rodgers in that offense, I think is just too perfect an opportunity for Green Bay to pass up, especially because if you look at the fact that Houston was willing to trade away and, you know, Bill O'Brien was there at this time. So there is, you know, a little bit of a, a disclaimer here, but they were willing to trade away, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins for a second round pick and a bad running back contract. And, you know, you have a guy in Will Fuller, you can probably get him for a day three pick more than likely and then add him to that arsenal over in Green Bay. This is an opportunity for Green Bay to erase the we don't put weapons around Aaron Rodgers narrative once and for all. Now, exactly. this isn't the only trade that we have. You've got a trade that you really like as well, right? Yeah, so uh, here's the thing. Washington also feels like they're going into another iteration of a rebuild. You know, Ron mm-hmm. Rivera inherited Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins isn't doing great. Nuke the whole thing. Go get your quarterback. You're going to have a top five pick, right? Right. And that means it's time to rebuild. And that means it's time to shed veterans. So I think do the same move. You've got a, a veteran on an expiring contract that you don't really need. That's Ryan Kerrigan. You know, they've got Chase Young and Montez Sweat. They've got young edge rushers. So they don't need to like right. try to extend Ryan Kerrigan and see if you can't do better than what you would get on the compensatory market to somebody that can pay for, you know, the second half of his season at like, I think it'd be like five and a half, six and a half million dollars, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and I think the Rams can take that hit. 
and I think the Rams would take that bait. They are a team that, that would that feels like they they might think they're they're in a Super Bowl run here if they can just get out of that NFC West, get into the playoffs, and get a little help on the edge to help Aaron Donald, who is surrounded by just some soft front seven around him. I think Ryan Kerrigan, as an influx of front seven talent to that run defense, to that defense in general, could be just what the doctor ordered for the Los Angeles Rams. But hey, the NFL trade dead deadline might not be the only trade deadline you're thinking about because we got fantasy trade deadlines coming up. So there's a couple of tough decisions you might have to make. You might have to uh, kill your darlings, as it were. And uh, we got Marcus Mosher coming up to tell us all about what we can do at our trade deadline with guys like Lamar Jackson, Ezekiel Elliott, what to do with the 49ers. We got all that coming up. So stick around. All right, everybody, it is Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Myself, Ross Jackson, joined as always by my good friend, good buddy, good pal, Luke Braun. And today, as we do every Tuesday, we welcome in one of our fantasy experts from around the network for our fantasy forum. And today, we've got Marcus Mosher, at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter, one of the hosts of Locked On Cowboys, as well as one of the hosts over at Locked On Dynasty Football. With everything that's going on, I don't want to lose sight of fantasy football here because i still got some leagues to win i don't care about who's getting traded around i still got some leagues to win so i have a question we got for fantasy you. trade deadlines coming up absolutely that's coming right up the next couple weeks yes and i have one name that i'm thinking about because i feel like the name value i'm going to be able to get some nice return on some uh on them real quick but i've got lamar jackson on my roster maybe it's a little weird to be mm. talking about trading him but i just feel like i'm not getting a ton from him so is he somebody that i should be worried about as my qb1 and is he somebody that i might be able to put on the trade block here First of all, Ross, that's a great idea, trading away somebody like Lamar Jackson because his name will always carry more value than what the actual production is. And as of about. lately, the production hasn't been great. Uh, when A lot of people drafted Lamar in the first or second rounds of their home leagues and 10, 12-team leagues, and he's been fine. I mean, he scored at least two touchdowns in the last four games, um, but we, we haven't seen those big explosive games yet. Uh, we're now at, you know, he, he doesn't have a 300-yard passing game yet this season. Uh, he hasn't gone over 210 passing yards uh, since week uh, one. It's been, it's been really a, a struggle for Lamar, and that offensive line is breaking down. Uh, no Ronnie Stanley. Tyree Phillips mm-hmm. got injured. So I don't think Lamar Jackson is a plug-and-play starter. You have to keep him in your lineup, to, you know, regardless of the matchup any longer. I think you can play a little bit of the, you know, if I have a better option on my bench, I don't mind playing him ahead of Lamar Jackson. With, and with games coming up against Indianapolis, at New England, home against Tennessee, it might be mm. time to see what other teams are offering you for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's really helpful because I feel like he's somebody that I really have just been starting because because of his name. So being able to take advantage of that mm. from somebody else's point of view feels like something I should probably do before this trade deadline hits. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you can get um, you know probably a maybe an RB one from somebody mm. who still wants Lamar Jackson or somebody that's willing to give you you know, your wide receiver two and an RB two. I, I think those are both options. Uh, right now, I think I think somebody in your league is still going to believe that Lamar is going to break out here over the next five, six, seven weeks. Perfect. Speaking of uh, RB ones, I feel like nobody still has their RB one. Like you either had <laughs> oh, Saquon yeah. Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, who's on injured reserve with sucking. Um, okay, <laughs> that might that might have been mean. No, uh, no, I mean you're right. You're right. So here's the thing: early on in the season, 
Uh, even though he wasn't getting the big yardage totals with Dak Prescott and the rest of the offensive weapons, he was getting the touchdown opportunities. You know, in the first three weeks of the season, he had four scores. Uh, against the Giants, he had two touchdowns. So he was getting those touchdown opportunities. Well, now that Dak Prescott's out, not only is he not getting the yardage, they're not getting anywhere near the, you know, the red zone. So uh, over the last three weeks, 49 uh, rushing yards, 45 rushing yards, 63 rushing yards, no touchdowns. Listen, I know you drafted him in the top three. A lot of you listeners out there, you don't have to start him just because his name is Ezekiel Elliott. He's not producing like an RB1. He's barely producing like an RB2. And with games coming up against Pittsburgh at Minnesota and home against Washington, all three of those teams have some defenses that are pretty good, at least at times. Um, I think it's seriously time to consider putting him on the bench until we see anything better. I like it. Because really, I mean, you're well, I mean, but you know, your your fantasy wins in your league isn't really defined by who you choose in the first round. It's it's about all those other rounds as you go through and how you supplement other picks and things like that. And, you know, a, a, one of the guys that I tried to really latch onto at some point in the hopes that he would kind of come back and be somebody that I'd be able to throw into a lineup later on in the season was Debo Samuel, but he continues mm. to go back and forth with injury and things like that. So I'm just looking at these wide receivers and the production that you're getting from the offense over in San Francisco. Who's the right option to go to when it comes to the wide receiver in that it, offense it, it's really tough now because there's you know the running backs are all out uh you know no jimmy garoppolo for the foreseeable future george kittle's likely out for the season uh you mentioned debo samuel so i really think kyle shanahan's gonna narrow this offense down to one or two players and just feed them and i'm looking at brandon Ayuk uh to do that over the last two games for the 49ers 206 yards and a touchdown uh, mm-hmm. also get some work on the ground as well I think he's pretty quickly becoming the team's best receiver. I'm looking for the 49ers to just feed him targets as soon as this week against Green Bay. Uh, 18 targets over the last two weeks. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets double digits uh, this week against Green Bay. The schedule does get really tough with at New Orleans, at the Rams, but um, he's really the the last of the Mohicans left, and I think <laughs> Kyle Shanahan's going to have to give him a ton of work coming up in the next few games. Is there it's a reason a, to like maybe maybe hold off on that uh, with with the situation with Jimmy Garoppolo and stuff? I mean, is that offense going to do anything, or is this a pie worth trying to go get a piece of? I wouldn't actively target Brandon Ayuk in trades right now because I think the, okay. the 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 floor is so low because of you know Nick Mullins really struggled the last time we saw him. Maybe they go to C.J. Beathard, but if he's somebody that's on your team already. I have no problem thinking of him and viewing him as a, you know, low end wide receiver too uh, for the next gotcha. five, six weeks. Great. Gotcha, gotcha. Marcus, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out, man. Yeah. Thanks Luke. Thanks Ross. We will see you guys later. Tomorrow on the show, we got James and Tony coming in to talk about whatever happens with the trade deadline. And also they will have their weekly draft segment as always. And you also have Ryan and Chris coming in on Thursday to preview Thursday night football between the 49ers and Packers. That game is going to be recapped also by Bo and Q on Friday. And they'll also have their weekly betting segment. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up for the rest of the week on Locked On NFL. For the Tuesday show, me and Ross, thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you next time.